Again, I still haven't figured out a good way to say that, but 2 John will begin in verse 1 this morning. It says these words, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father, from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we are commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I are writing you a new commandment, the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. We walk according to His commandment. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Many deceivers have gone out to the world, those who do not confess, the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch for yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but we may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Do not, or sorry, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. This is the word of the Lord this morning. We are continuing on our, our journey through these one chapter books in the Bible. Today we look here at this book, Second John, and as we read this book, we realize, we're confronted, whatever you want to say, with the reality that time often brings a much-added perspective in our lives. You know, there's a phrase out there that's called the, the tyranny of the urgent. If you've ever heard that, it's a familiar phrase saying that so often we get consumed by things that we think are, are so important and they have to be done and they have to be taken care of right here and right now, only to realize later in our lives that the things we thought were so urgent in the moment really, really don't matter. Time often brings a different perspective. I mean, you're hearing it already. You're going to hear it till November that this election coming up is the most important one and ever, ever, and you, you better get out and vote. And what's going to happen in 2024? It's going to be the same thing. This election is the most important in the world. Our country's on the brink. You better get out and vote. You 
think about it, we've heard that probably the last 20, 30 years. Who knows? And, and yet somehow, here we are. We're still, still around. You hear people tell you, I have financial advice, and you had better do this one thing of financial advice. You don't do that, you're going to be poor the rest of your life. Somebody else tells you that this is the one trick that's going to make you live to be 150 years old and be in perfect health. This is the one most important thing you need to do. And of course, somebody else says the exact opposite. What happens? Time is often what happens. Stock markets go up and they go down. Streams of revenue open and close. Investing in the horse and buggy all of a sudden gives way to investing in cars and now investing in other things. Politicians come and go. One that's going to change the country forever is gone. Relegated to history to a quiz. Health fads fade and drift off into obscurity as new theories arise on how to lose weight and live a long and happy and prosperous, successful life. We find ourselves with a different perspective often as time passes. And I think today we have the, the wisdom and the perspective of a man who has been around the block a few times. And he has understood what really, really matters in life. And as we read through this second epistle, we ask ourselves this question, do we have a handle? Do we really understand? Do we really know what is most important in our life? Do we, do we really know what matters most? Again, not to totally destroy my own opening, but I do know what matters most to you in life. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. That is my first point, which is this, walking Walking in truth is what matters, is the most important thing, is the thing that matters most to us. If, if you want to ask me, what is the one thing that I can do to have a long and happy and successful and prosperous and wonderful life? I don't know that answer, but if there is one thing that you must do in life, that one thing is seen. Here in 2 John, you must walk in truth. You ask people what matters to them, and, and I'm sure that most of us will probably give the same answer. Oh, God matters most. My family matters most. Unfortunately, their actions say a far different thing, doesn't it? Rarely find them in church, they're doing everything but spending time with their spouse and their children or whatever else. Our actions show what is most important to us, but whatever your actions might be conveying this morning, the simple reality is this. If it is not conveying the fact that you are walking in truth, you are missing what is most important. You are missing what really matters most, if you haven't figured it out yet, John is writing to this elect lady. 
with a deep concern and desire for truth. And commentators speculate whether the elect lady is a particular person, a particular female that he has in mind, or, or perhaps it is a church that he is writing to. And he is addressing her as the elect lady of the church, the bride of Christ, if you would. Either way, notice in these first four verses where one word is repeated over and over and over again. Verse 1, the elder to the elect lady and her children, and here it comes, whom I love in truth. Not only I, but also all who know the truth. Again, two times in the first verse, second verse, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. He states here he loves the elect lady again, whether it's an individual or a church. He loves her because she is in the truth. And he is in the truth. But not only he loves her, but everyone else who knows the truth loves her as well. And this becomes important, and we're going to see this here in a few moments, why it's so important that those who are in the truth also love the others who are in the truth. But he gives us a reason, a reason for the love of this lady, the love of this church, or the love of this individual is because the truth is in them, it lives in them, and it is with them forever and ever. It is the truth which propels and motivates them to love this lady. And then John states this in verse 4, I rejoice greatly to find that some of your children are walking in the truth, just as we are commanded by the Father. I rejoice greatly. What is it that, that's exciting the apostle here what is it that's causing joy to flow from his heart it's not that the lady's children have just won the lottery won that billion dollar lottery whatever it was that some person in illinois took away a couple weeks ago it's not that everyone knows their name it's not that they have reached a pinnacle of power in washington dc the Roman government, if you would. But it's rather that they are living and walking in the truth. I see it every once in a while on sports highlights or clips or whatever you want to say on various sports pages that you can see on the internet. But, but so-and-so is, is called up to the big leagues. He's, he's made his major league appearance, and, and there he, he gets a hit, and every once in a while, the person who's called up and he's in his first game, he hits a home run, and, and they always show a picture of his parents, his brother, his sister, sometimes his girlfriend or wife that is there and they're jumping up and down and they're so excited because Johnny has finally made it to the Yankees or the Phillies or hopefully not the Yankees because we don't like them or do we whatever 
I guess no judgment if you do, but, but he's made it. And, and they're so excited. Here he is. He's an official big leaguer. But John is saying, even as important as that might be, nothing, nothing matters as much as living, living in the truth. See it in graduations, the same thing. So and so walks the aisle, and the person, the MC of the graduation, always saying, Hold your applause to the end. We got 500 names to get through. And the mom or dad can't help but yell out when their son or daughter. But, but again, is that as important as walking in the truth? John says, I rejoice greatly that I find, that I know, that I've heard that your children are not millionaires, are not famous, are not this or that, but that they're walking in the truth. Nothing else matters if we don't live in the truth of what God's Word tells us. John, Jesus said these words in John 8, you will know the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Proverbs wrote it this way, Solomon did in Proverbs 23, when he said, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy truth and don't sell it. Mary had mentioned a few months ago or some time ago, housing market was as hot as it was. Man, we ought to sell our house. We can make a lot of money. And I actually looked it up and I thought, wow, the value really is high. Then I looked at all the other houses in the neighborhood and realized they went up as well. So, well, we could sell it, but I don't know where we're going to live. So, I don't know if we want to live here in the basement of the church, but yeah, we, we put time and effort into the house trying to clean it up, but I guarantee you, if you want to name us the right price, we will definitely, definitely sell it to you. Oh yeah, there's a lot of things in my life that, 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 that are worth a lot to me, but boy, you name the price. Dave Ramsey says you get so serious about your debt that you just start selling everything so much so that your kids are afraid you're going to sell them. I mean, you name the price. You name the price, and depending on what day of the week is, I might give you a good deal. I don't know. The writer of Proverbs says, buy the truth and don't sell it no matter what you do. What is the most important thing? It's living our life in the truth. What God has given us. And so you ask, what is truth? I mean, yeah, we throw around the word truth a lot in our society. It's always surrounded by these words, your truth or my truth. And oftentimes, your truth is, is totally different than my truth. Everyone has their own truth. That's what Oprah Winfrey tells us. We all have our own truth in life. But Jesus says in John 14, I am the way. And I am the truth, and I am the life. No, Jesus is not our truth. And there at the mosque, Muhammad is their truth. 
Jesus is not our truth. And, And there at the temple, Buddha is their truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. He is the life and you cannot go to God unless you go through Jesus Christ. And so what John is telling us, if we put these things together, is this, what is most important to you is that you know who Jesus Christ is. That He is the Son of the living God. John alludes to this here in verse 7 of 2 John. He says, For many deceivers have gone out to the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver. They are the Antichrist. Who is deceitful? It's those who do not teach. Those who do not preach that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He has come in the flesh, that He came and lived on this earth as a human being, that He died for our sins and He rose again on the third day. If they are not teaching and preaching that, that is a deceitful spirit and you must run from it. Paul sums it up in Timothy in 1 Timothy 3. And he says this, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He being Christ was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. This is ultimate truth. This is ultimate reality. That God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died to buy our pardon. And an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Church holds on to this truth. Since the beginning of the church age, the earliest writings of the church, we find what is called the Apostles' Creed that is said, Many churches around the world each and every Sunday. We went through it before a few years ago, but if you don't know it, it simply says this, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and He sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. This is what matters in life. This is what is most important to you today and I ask you this question do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God do you believe that Jesus Christ has come into this world lived and died on a cross and rose again and is coming back one day Have you committed your life to Him and decided that you will 
follow him and him alone. If you have not, whatever you're chasing doesn't matter. If you haven't, whatever, whatever has possessed your life in such a way really isn't going to matter. What matters is that you know Christ. He lives inside your heart. The world does not believe this truth. This is the day and hour in which we are living in. And the fact of the matter is, everything that we are seeing happening in our world, in our society, really comes back to this fact. We are denying the reality of who Jesus is. Why do you think we're trying to change our boys and girls in the Ways they are not created because we're denying. Denying the reality and the existence of who God is and who Christ is. We like to quote John 3.16 and we rightly should. The whole section of this passage is worth thinking about. Because John says this in verse 18, Whoever believes in Him, believes in Christ, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And then he says these words, this is the judgment, the light has come into the world. The light, or people I should say, love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The light has come into the world. We are told in chapter 1 that Jesus is the light that has come into the world. And the light has come, and yet people would rather have darkness. Why? Because of their evil deeds. I mean, really, that's why. That's why our world is so messed up. It's not that we found a new truth. We're denying the truth because we would rather live in our wicked, sinful ways. And if you're here this morning and you're holding on to, to sinful, wicked pa- patterns and habits and lifestyles, if you are not repentant of it, it will lead you to deny the reality of who Christ is. Not because you don't believe it, but because you'd rather live in your sinfulness. But it matters. It matters that we walk in truth. It matters that we live a life of truth. And the reason why it matters is because of my next point here. Walking in truth leads to loving each other. Walking in truth will ultimately lead to loving each other. Why does it matter so much that we know the truth? That we live in the truth? Why can't I have my own personal truth because the reality is my own personal truth does not affect just me. It ultimately spills over and affects you. When I am living in the reality of who Jesus Christ is, it will have an impact on your life. Again, John in verse 4 says, I rejoice greatly to hear your children are living in truth or walking in truth or they're following the truth or loving in truth. 
And then in verse 5, he says this, and now I ask you, dear lady, now I'm asking you, okay, now I'm getting down to the reason I am writing to you. I'm asking you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we've had from the beginning. I'm not asking you to do anything new. I'm simply asking you to do what we know we ought to do. What is it that he wants us to do? In the verse 5 there, that we love one another. John states it to her, the reason I am writing to you is so that you will follow the commandment we have been given. I'm glad to hear that the truth is in your heart, that you know who Jesus is. And now the outflow of that truth is that you follow his commandment. What is his commandment? It's pretty simple. Love each other. This is the outworking of believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, believing in Jesus is more than just me saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. I know when I die, I'm going to be in heaven, sit on a cloud, play a harp, and do whatever else. No, saying I love Jesus means that my life here on this earth will reflect the love of God and it will lead us to loving each other. This is the overflow and this is really what God wants us to do is to love Him and to love each other. And this message is repeated over and over again in the Gospels, especially in the writings of John. Look at what Matthew wrote about Jesus here in Matthew 22. He says, when the Pharisees heard he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? What did Jesus say? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You'll love the truth, right? You'll walk in truth. He doesn't finish. He says, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is just like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says on that, all of the rest of the scripture holds together. Loving God. Loving each other. Jesus does his quotes from the Jewish Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 5. This is what they quoted each and every morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And then he adds on Leviticus 19, verse 18, you shall not take a vengeance bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. These commandments, these truths center the teaching of the Bible. They center the teaching of the Christian faith. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that leads us to loving each other. 
Jesus also states in the book of John, a new commandment I'm giving to you. New commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. By this all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Again, we don't identify ourselves. Yes, you go down to Philadelphia or to New Jersey. You wear your green jersey that says, I am a part of this team. I am a part of this fan base. And of course, depending on what team you're cheering for, you might wear a paper bag over your head because we don't do that. We don't come here with white shirts and black ties and name tags that says we're all part of something. No, some of us come in suit coat and tie. Well, not here, but other churches they do. Some come in shorts and t-shirt. Some of you are are young, barely have your driver's license, if that, some of you. A little bit older. Some of us have money and some of us barely have enough to get by. Some of us can speak the King's English, some of us speak some kind of Midwestern slang, whatever I say every week. Some of us have advanced degrees, master's and doctor's degrees, some of us. Like Mark Lowry, the comedian, said, my grandmother graduated from college magna cum laude. My wife, my mom graduated summa cum laude, and I graduated, thank the Lord. Whoever you are, we get together. Some of you have dark skin and some of us go outside for more than five minutes and we're, and we're burnt to a crisp. And yet what draws us together is the fact that we love each other. We love and we care for each other. We go up to you and we throw our arms around you even though we don't know if you've taken a shower in the last month and we put our arms around you and say, I'm glad to see you. True love for God is following His commandments and following His commandments mean that we love one another. And that's why we talked about Paul and Philemon last week or Philemon. I got a little grief and some of you are used to saying it's Philemon, not Philemon. Whatever you call it. That's why Paul wrote to him as, as we saw last week. Philemon is, is to receive back Onesimus even though he is an owner and Onesimus is a slave. Both of them have been transformed by the power of the gospel. Both have come to faith in Christ. And they are to be reunited as brothers in the Lord. See, second and third John are actually an expansion. I probably should have just went on and went through first John first, but it's really an expansion of what John shares in his first letter. And John shares these words in first John chapter three. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. By the way, let's just stop there and think about that for a moment. Because yeah, you say, well, I would never pull a gun on somebody. 
But Jesus said, if there's hatred in your heart, you're doing the same thing, right? I mean, maybe you're not going to get sent away to wherever the maximum security prison here is in Pennsylvania. Maybe you're not going to be on death row, but you might as well be. You've done the same thing. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil. His brothers were righteous. Verse 13, don't be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. The world hates you again. You're not part of my political party. You're not part of my ethnicity. You're not part of my social class. But we know we have passed out of death into life. Why? Because we love the brothers. We sit next to the Democrat. We sit next to the Republican. We sit next to the Independent, the Green Party, the Libertarian Party eat together and nobody knows what party we're from i mean we sit there one guy is white the other guy is black the other guy is asian and nobody knows you sit there one guy is loaded and he's got so much money and he rolled in and rolls royce the other guy rode his bike here and nobody knows john goes on to listen how verse 23 encapsulates what he says. This is his commandment. We believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another just as he commanded us. Being a Christian is really pretty simple, isn't it? Love God, love each other. If we would simply focus on these two simple truths, We're all worried, oh, how can we take America back for God? How can we do this? How can we, whatever else, how, how can we, you know, what and all this other stuff. You know what we need to do? We, we just need to stop and begin to love God and love each other again. Whatever we think we should be doing as Christians, it would get done if we would simply focus on these two points. John says, I rejoice to hear that your children are walking in truth. I'm glad that they know that they are walking in truth. But also when you're walking in truth, I want to remind you, you have to follow another commandment, which is not a new commandment. It's a commandment that we heard from the beginning. You must love each other. Which leads me to my last point. Which is this, walking in truth. Walking in truth must, must be fought for. Must be fought for because it's simple, right? Love God, love each other, let's go home. Could have said that about 40 minutes ago and been done, right? Got out of here before breakfast was over. Why is the church, why is the country in the mess it's in? It's something that sounds so easy. Clearly, if it was easy, we'd all be faithfully living for God. But it's not. That's why John writes these next few verses here. Beginning in verse 7, he says, Many deceivers have gone out to the world again, who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. We've seen this verse already in the phrase that do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ. 
This verse clearly has shown us what the truth is that we need to be living for. The truth that we need to be striving for. The reality of who Jesus Christ is. And why do we need to be fighting and striving for? Because there are people that are out there to destroy and deceive and devour you. John says that person is the Antichrist. If they do not confess the truth of who Jesus Christ is, they are deceiving you. You need to run from them. They are more than just deceiving you. They are an antichrist. Again, we want to run around as Christians. We want to get in eschatology, the study of the end times. We want to play pin to tell on the antichrist. And surely it's Putin or it's Biden or it's Trump or it's Zelensky or Klaus Schwab. And Well, it may be if you know who he is. The reality is the Antichrist is anyone who denies the reality of who Jesus Christ is. What is written in the Word of God. And yeah, it may be a world politician or world leader, but he may also be a college professor. It may be a next-door neighbor, a co-worker. It might even be a religious leader, somebody standing in a pulpit on a Sunday morning. But they are out there trying to convince you that the Bible is not true, that Jesus is not the Son of God, that He did not rise from the dead. They are of the spirit of Antichrist. And you need to flee because they want to destroy you. So John tells us here in verse 8, you need to watch you need to watch yourselves. Verse 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for. John's saying we've, we've done all this labor and effort to establish you in the truth. You need to be careful so that you don't lose the truth that we have worked for. There's a debate over whether or not the word in verse 8 should be we or you when he says we have worked for. Or you have worked for point seems to be saying the apostles have worked and labored to bring about the church to establish the church and Paul says in in Acts 22 I believe it is when he's talking about the Ephesian church and he says as soon as I leave you there are going to be wolves that are going to come in and they're going to try to destroy you apostles have worked and labored to bring about the churches that they have established on the foundation of Christ and now false teachers are trying to to destroy them. The point is there. You need to be careful. You need to pay attention. You need to be on guard. So we watch ourselves. And in verse 10, John says this, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him. Do not receive him. Part of watching ourselves, watching over our souls, is also rejecting those we're trying to lead us astray. Don't receive him into our house or give him any greeting. Forever greets and takes part. Takes part. There's a few different ways again. Look at this verse. If it's written to a singular person, John is telling him not to host or entertain. They didn't exactly have a Motel 6 or 
Holiday Inn like we have today. The inns that they had were oftentimes a little bit less than desirable. And so people would come and stay in the house. And if you're not careful, you'll entertain someone who will deceive you, destroy you. Either way, the point is this. Don't allow false teachers to come in and gain a foothold in your life. And this leads to what you need to see. I mentioned false teachers outside the church, whether politicians or college professors or other thought leaders in this world, but the truth is Jesus is speaking to the church. And He is warning people in the church against those who are coming to be, claiming to be Christians, I should say, people who are coming claiming under the name of Jesus false teachings and false religions that are leading people astray. This is what you need to see in this passage. Many times it's not the people out there. A lot of times it's the people who would come in here. It's not the people on CNN or Fox News. It's the people on a Trinity broadcast network or Daystar network or whatever other Christian network. It's not the person lecturing at East Stroudsburg or Lafayette or Lehigh or University of Pennsylvania or Penn State. It's the people that are coming into churches each and every Sunday. They'll do it claiming to be a pastor or a prophet. They'll do a reading from the Bible. They'll do it singing the same songs that we sang this morning. If you are not careful, if you do not pay heed to what they are saying to you, they will tell you something other than there is salvation through the name of Jesus Christ and Him alone. You must be on guard. By the way, this goes for me as well. Doing my best with God helping me to make sure to ensure that what I am teaching is in line with what the Bible teaches, what Christians have believed throughout the centuries. So whatever you do, listen carefully. Take notes. Check what I say against the Word of God. If I am wrong, you need to get me out of here or you need to go and never come back because your soul is what matters most. That's why I try to put in, I don't know if it's helpful or not or whatever, but at least a little outline or something so that you can take what I say and, and say, hey, wait a second, what did he mean by this? Why did he quote that passage? Well, we trust you. You've been around here for, I know some of you are going to say way too long, but I'll take that, whatever. <laughs> I know. But we have to be on guard. We have to. We have to understand that, that what matters most of all is living in the truth of God's Word. And then we have to let that truth flow out in a genuine love and care for each other.
You have one goal in life, one objective. To see the truth. To see the truth of who Christ is with all of our heart. Nothing else matters. Again, save your money. That's great. Get yourself in shape. Live healthy. That's good. Go out there and pursue whatever you feel like God wants you to do. At the end of the day, there's going to be one question. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Is he the son of God? Answer that question. By the way, if you answer that question and say yes, then it needs to flow out of your life. We must love each other the way that Christ loved us. Why do you think Paul compares marriage to Christ's relationship with the church? What does it say? He says, husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. If we do not have that love, not just in our marriage, certainly in our marriage, but also with each other as brother and sister, then we're missing the point. It's not just good enough to have the truth and say, I believe what the Bible says, then live what the Bible says. Put up with me. At least tolerate me or whatever. Do it for the sake of Mary because she's a wonderful person. Love that person. I know they're, they're totally different than you. Love them. Get to know them. Become one with them. Let us love one another. Let us walk in truth. Amen. Let's pray this morning, shall we? Father, we thank you for the truth. We thank you that we have received and believed the truth of the gospel. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came, he lived a sinless life, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and on the third day he rose again Ascended into heaven, he is coming back again. Lord, the world doesn't want to hear that. They want to tell us that God is dead, that there is no God, that we are now gods, we can make, we can do. So God, we are at odds with this world and we realize it. But Lord, I pray that they should come and they should check us out. they would walk away from saying, you know what? Those people really believe the Bible said all their X's and O's lined up. They will see a true and genuine love for each other. Something that they'll never find in that life stadium. Something they'll never find at any political convention, something they'll never find on the shores of the Jersey beaches, something they'll only find in the house of God. Young and old, rich and poor, black and white, educated and illiterate, joining together as one. 
Let that love be seen in our lives, we pray. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. You're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. He is the Son of God. I challenge you to examine and explore His claims. Love to talk to you further about what it means to follow Christ. But you must answer this question if there is not an objective truth named Jesus Christ, then what is truth? But there is a truth. And the truth is it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, God will forgive you. But I also want to speak to those of you who are here. You raised your hands, you sang the songs of God so loving us and dying for us and all this other stuff. When we say amen, you're going to walk out of your way to avoid so-and-so. I challenge you the outworking of that truth in your life. It does not mean avoiding so-and-so. It means going to them and say, I forgive you. I love you. Will you forgive me? May everyone see that in our church. May they see that in your life, we pray. I believe. We believe. Father, our faith is steadfast in you. Lord, no matter what this world throws at us, no matter how bad things may get, and it certainly seems to be going so bad, God, our faith is strong, our faith is steadfast. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. These are my brothers and sisters. Let me stand on that declaration. Let me love them with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, may that be enough. May that be enough, no matter what storms of life will bring, no matter what the troubles and trials of life will come. Now we pray that the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with each and every one of us. Till we meet again, we ask. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. So good to see you here today. Welcome. Thanks for coming this morning.